0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me as always is a man who's also known as the Duck Whisperer.
1: I am the Adam Les and I whisper at ducks. It doesn't actually have any effects. You think the duck whisper, they you know, the ducks calm down or do something. Then no, I just whisper at ducks and then they go on ducking. That's just well, what I ducks mean, do.
0: Ducks will do as ducks will do, right? I mean Right. I can't affect them. Oh. they they're very enigmatic
1: Before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. Uh, we're we're about to have a very long conversation about the ramifications of a capitalistic society. So let us start with a commercial. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Uh, 100%. 100%.
1: <laughs> Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion if you want to help support us financially and keep us going. We, of course, greatly appreciate it, though we greatly appreciate just uh, just listening, you yeah. know, talking yeah, about totally. us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we have fun doing this. We enjoy doing this and we, uh, we are greatly appreciative yeah. of those who have decided to financially support us. Yes. Uh, At $1 and up, you get access to a bonus episode. It is a non-criterion film. Put together a list. We vote on that list. Uh, you, the supporters. Vote I don't on vote that on list. that list. Of I don't. We don't vote on no. the list. We put together the list uh The supporters vote on that list, and uh, option five on the list is always Kazam. The 1996 children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. It is always a themed list, usually based on one of the movies we watched on the main podcast recently, but sometimes just, uh, you know, whatever whatever strikes my fancy in a month or suggestions from supporters. Uh, we put together quite a few lists from that, and usually if a supporter suggests a list, whatever wins, they get invited to be on the episode as well. So we have a lot more guests over there and have some, some real fun over there too, I think. Uh, but yeah, that's a dollar a month for a little extra, $5, uh, just for... The, People who feel like we we deserve a little extra money, they want to give a little more support uh, and also get a little bit of a reward for it. Uh, we we thank those five dollars supporters on air. So thank you to Stephen Goldmeyer, our only five dollars supporter right
0: now. Yes, thank you very uh, much.
1: We're delighted to have you. Why there's only one five dollars supporter is that for those who can afford it, and uh, clearly a, a number of people can and 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 like the idea at ten dollars and above, our highest tier we do something that's pretty special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and mail that off to our supporters with a thank you note written by me, a little personalized note. We also like to thank those supporters on air. So thank you to Christopher Otto, to Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Patrick Yackel, and Adam Speakerman for your $10 and above supports. A good many of you are multi-year supporters at this point.
0: And, really uh, appreciate we are it. Very
1: grateful, very grateful for that. Uh, if you want to see the sort of art Pat might be sending out, or uh, not just the sort of the actual art we're yeah, sending out, yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, um, it's
0: indicative of what you might receive. You won't receive yes, those things, yes. but, yeah.
1: right? Or if you want to order from the back catalog, actually, you can go yeah. to Redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion, and you can find our store that is selling all of those postcards uh, as postcards, as greeting cards, a few of them as, uh, stickers, um, uh, well, most of them as stickers and a few of them as pins when the art, uh, worked out to, to make it a little one inch pin. Uh, so yeah, some real fun stuff over there. We've made some sales. I was kind of surprised. I just put it up there as a way to, to get people to see it. Uh, but, uh, but turns out that putting it on an online store did, did garner us uh, uh, a couple oh, of yeah, sets. a few
0: sales. I mean, yeah, I, yeah it, it is. I mean, it also our, garnered us a, a takedown request. Our margin on that stuff or,
1: is so low that yeah, we're going to get. Like we also did get one takedown request. Toho, Toho threatened to sue us. Um, but yeah, it's fun. So you can head over there. They are on a little bit of delay, just so that our ten dollars supporters get to see that art first, and then three months later, they get, the new cards go up on the store. So. Yeah. Again, that is Redbubble dot com and search for Lost in Criterion. And if you want to support us more directly, patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Pat, this week we are talking about uh, one of my favorite movies we've watched. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> a, I'm I'm totally yeah. on board with that statement. Like,
0: yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I This is one of those ones where I was like, like we we joked last week. I was like, well, this is really gonna get us on our shit, uh, which yeah. is true uh but i i become concerned that maybe it's a little too much on our shit <laughs> like i was like i was like watching it i was like this is so like okay so like a thing that is we've done it a little bit less recently but a thing that ends up happening on this podcast uh for you know i think basically everybody already understands how this works but like sometimes we just i especially one of or the other of us will get a weird bug up our butt and we'll be like well we're going to turn this into some sort of socialist (laughs) statement about the way society should function or something like that. And then, and then try to read into it. And then usually it's kind of a stretch, uh, or at least, at least a little bit, not always. There are some,
1: there are some movies where it's not much of a stretch. Right. That's absolutely true. This one just isn't a stretch. Right. There's no stretching involved. No,
0: exactly. Which, Uh which always concerns me because sometimes I have a little panic attack when we got, we get into a movie that's just our thing. And I'm like, this is too much. I think I can't handle this. This is too much pressure. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous and scared now. That like I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm. I don't know. It's really like I don't. Somehow movies that are like it. too much into it. my wheelhouse give me an anxiety uh, attack. Yeah, which is yeah probably feel, unhealthy. I'm I, not sure. It's like
1: uh like there's a there's a standard here. Like if we're just speculating about other movies. Speculations open, right? But yeah. but here it's it's too exact. Yeah, it's like so we might actually be able to say something wrong,
0: right? Well, uh, and, and I mean the nice thing is is that like with a movie like this is that is is you know okay, yeah yeah it's just you're right it it's it is, right. I, I but I'm not even nervous about like historical inaccuracy because everybody knows I'm already already kind of understands I'm an idiot, so like yeah. I'm not concerned about people who like, well, actually you got this point wrong those iTunes reviews already exist um, they're not going anywhere so like everybody's already like that That I'm yeah. not going to burn any bridges by being more wrong than I normally am uh, so it's not even like a historical accuracy it's almost like a like a it's like I might not I might fail to do justice to the the the, the significance of the thing that we're talking about yeah yeah I
1: get that too well the thing we are talking about is missing the 1982 film directed by Costa Gavris. Uh, Gavris also directed uh, a lot of political thrillers. Uh, Z, I believe we will eventually watch is uh, one of his earliest ones set in Greece. Interesting. Gavris had, had filmed in Chile with state of siege just a few years prior to this. Right. Uh, we will watch the confession state of siege and Z all eventually. Um, State of Siege is number 760, so a couple years out. Yeah. Um, four, four, nope, nope, do the math right, six years out. I don't so. know math, I don't know um, time, or days, or years. Z is much closer at 491, and The Confession, which is uh, the one I know the least about now, is at 759, so right around the same time as we'll watch uh Or as we'll watch State of of Siege. Uh, But this one is a slightly fictionalized version of actual events. This is the biography of the death and aftermath of American journalist, uh, documentarian Charles Horman. Living in Chile, though Chile is never mentioned by name directly in the movie. Uh, Horman was killed by the uh, Pinochet regime uh, with at least the blessing, if not deeper, and that is still unknown, but with at least the blessing of the American government, uh, if not the encouragement, if not the direct order. Uh, Because one thing about about Charlie and whatever Charlie may have known. Uh as the movie suggests and and greater uh research may confirm, what Charlie knew doesn't seem to have been dangerous
0: to no the Chilean then, government. I mean, w- certainly not dangerous to the Chilean government. Like <laughs> well it's you know, okay. Okay. Well <laughs> let's let's get into our shit. Um yeah. One of the things I found really fascinating about that, I kept thinking, I kept processing that as a concept as we were, as I was watching this movie, was that like what he knew is no more inflammatory than basically any of the stuff we know about what America did in Vietnam.
1: Yeah, but in 1978, that's a different. Yeah, I understand you know, that. We, I mean, one. I, One thing is the aftermath of Horman is that we know a little more, particularly, you know, moving through the rest of the 80s and and the other, you know, the Iran-Contra and the other issues of American imperialism in South America, we have become more aware. And I think in, in 1978, that was a very different thing.
0: Right, right. I, um, I I, I, get, I totally get what your your point is, and I and and I agree. My my the reason I brought that up was just because, as far as I can tell, American public knowledge of America's illegal activities in the world seems to have no fundamental impact on the actual actions taken by the American government. Oh no! Of course. No one is ever brought to account, ever. Nothing ever happens, which means to me, like, why would you? Go, why would you go so far? It, it is, it is more, almost fundamentally at its core, more detrimental to your imperialistic regime in modern America to allow, allow or actually make happen the death of a person who has information than to just let them say it because apparently it has no effect. Right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, um the people who release such information are still actively punished by the U S government. Exactly. That's what I'm today. saying. Like, right.
0: It's like, it has um, no effect. So like, just let them release right. it. Cause fuck it. No, nothing's going to happen. Right.
1: Snowden, uh, reality winner, uh, you know, Chelsea Manning. These are all, all people who released, I mean, that's just the last decade. That, that's just the last and decade. That's just, yeah. That's the last decade. And these are all, uh, you know, all people who released, uh, Things that should have
0: should have radically altered changed. regimes. Absolutely, should have, it should have ended right. whole whole regimes <laughs> in and of themselves right. had zero effect. Basically, like yeah. demonstrably zero effect. Right, and that's just again, that's just the last decade. That's not counting the last like that's that's not even the first half of of America's war in the in in like second war in the Middle East. That's not you know what I mean. That's like. It's so much, and then, like, so much, like, intensely, I'm afraid to use the word illegal, but, like, I don't, there's no, like, just, I don't want to just say wrong. They make
1: the laws, Pat. Yeah, I know, I know.
0: (laughs) Illegal is just the only thing I, like, there's not, like, English lacks precise words to deal with the idea of, like, how one deals with the concept of violating another sovereign powers like sovereignty like how like illegal is the word but like it doesn't mean anything but like like it's just like we have so much of it and like why why at this point with the american sort of imperialist system even in 1978 even give a shit Right, like why? Like no, just seventy three. Actually, well, so, okay, seventy three. Seventy three like, is so when he's like killed. Like, but again, the year you say has no effect, right, on the statement right. I'm making. Right. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, you can just like, yeah, he can just come home, release it. You'll like, uh, you maybe you fire a few people, maybe, and then they just get some job somewhere else. They just go off and do whatever. Right. You're like there's you're not gonna have some you're not suddenly gonna have like military like like war crimes tribunals in the United States that's not gonna happen
1: we uh we almost tried that once you remember iran contra yeah. uh
0: <laughs> there's
1: there's great. occasionally a uh a
0: federal inquiry a congressional yeah but it's uh, always hearing. just for show right i mean in the right, end right. like never actually does it never anything. actually has any result like it it's just like I and I I don't want to like I'll be I'll be very clear here. This is not blackpilled, okay. I want to be very clear about this because I do th- I do think that that I am not a there's no hope. Like I am just a very very realist about what actually happens, which is right. nothing. Like we could we could make something happen. We really could, absolutely. But that that up until now the evidence does not suggest anything would happen. I don't know. I'm just saying like this this that makes it all just more sad in somehow right. in some way. That like, oh well yeah, I mean didn't have the I don't know. Right. Whatever. Right. That that Horman was murdered is for, just for, Yeah, it's just it's awful. Yeah. I can't even deal with it. It's own. Right.
1: So this movie is uh is a an adaptation of the Thomas Hauser book originally titled The Execution of Charles Horman in American Sacrifice. The book was printed in 78, which is why I had that number in my head. Uh adapted as Missing uh and uh, and re-released under the title Missing starting in nineteen eighty two. Uh, the background on the movie getting made is uh perhaps fairly recently, or fairly interesting. Um, Mildred Lewis, uh, who was the producer of Harold and Maude, among other films, and her husband Edward Lewis, uh, or Edwin, uh, her husband Ed Lewis, who produced Spartacus, among other films. Uh, Mildred read the book and thought this needs to be a movie uh, and decided that it was going to be a movie. <laughs> Uh, right, yeah. So she and she and Ed uh started putting the movie together and they brought C- Costa Gavras on board. Um the Hormans uh were reticent um until Costa Gavras came on board. Um uh, uh one interesting thing in the supplementals here is uh the revelation that uh uh Charlie and his wife Joyce in real life, Beth in the film played by Sissy, Spacek, um they were fans of Costa Garvis. Uh, right, and yeah. in fact she she maybe tried to get it seems get like a she tried to get a role
0: in, in the in uh in State of yeah. Siege.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh that uh, that she was turned down for because she was too young, I think is is how she worded it uh but uh, but they were fans, so this is uh first American picture, which is probably the only reason it got financing. uh a executive at uh at universal uh insisted on it uh because he was he frames himself as being sympathetic to the politics of the story, uh, but he sold it to the rest of uh, the executive right. decision-making apparatus at Universal as there's yeah we're going to get pushback, but there there will be money right to be made in being the distributor of Costagarus' first American film. Um. Uh, he cast it Um He wanted Sissy Spacek in it. Uh, He apparently originally wanted Paul Newman, uh, another Spartacus uh, connection. Apparently originally wanted Paul Newman, but uh, according to the producer interviews, uh, Newman never got back to them. Which is (laughs) weird, which is kind of wild. Which is, yeah, very wild. Um, uh, I suppose Paul Newman, I mean, Paul Newman... His politics really haven't changed. His activism hasn't changed as far as I know. It's got to be. There uh, There
0: had to be something. He must have been working on something. Like there's no. He was certainly doing. He would definitely want to make this movie. He was doing different things around 1980, certainly.
1: But I don't know. Um, so, like. He never returned their calls is, anyway. Here's uh, Right. You go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, they got Jack Lemon. Instead, Who's which uh, fucking amazing yeah. in this movie, phenomenal in the movie. Well, I mean, yeah.
0: we only have a real, we have a very really small cadre of like m- of main actors, right? We have Sissy right, Spacek right, right. and, right. uh, and we have, and we have Jack Lemon and that's Jack and Lyman. that's 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 essentially your, our ma- our characters for the movie. I mean, there, there are yeah. other characters who do appear quite a bit, but they're the main characters, right. and like they're both just fucking just totally awesome yeah. in this movie, like just. I mean, of course, it's really absolutely heart wrenching movie. So <laughs> that, like, it's it's a rough one. But like, you know, yeah. I, I wanted to address something interesting. Like, because like you were talking about like, well, why? Did, why? How did this movie get made? It is a really interesting story. I found it really interesting that like, I kind of wonder the 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 guy from Universal who they interviewed in some of the supplemental materials. Like, well, I sold it to him as well. It's, uh, you know. It's his first film in the U.S. So, like, uh, Costa Graves will, like... It'll be a moneymaker. Here's the thing. I'm not... I totally understand why you would want to sell it that way and all that stuff. But, like, this kind of film is not an unheard of thing to get made in in Hollywood. And, like, they are... They can be serious moneymakers anyway. Like, outside of, like... Outside of like Costa Gavras as, as, like, as a selling point, like films that directly address impropriety in the American government can be big money makers. Like they just can be. I, I, I'm specifically thinking, I was like, oh, I wonder when All the President's Men was made. Well, yeah. It's 1976. Came out it, in there's, 76. There's not, right? there's not, <laughs> yeah. there's not, it's not un. What I'm saying is like a film that's like essentially accuses the american government of crimes is not an unheard of thing you know what i mean like i i'm not like i don't know how to phrase this exactly but it's like my pushback is more on the the notion that well the, no one would want to make this this film right that that like no okay come on i like let's 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 not be let's not be overly like yeah Let's let's do
1: temper the middle ground though to say uh by the seventies particularly, I would say. Uh maybe maybe much earlier, but but certainly by the mid century, uh <clears throat> movie studios in the US were less likely true, to produce true. I mean, something like this. I agree. And more likely to make decisions based solely on Financial.
0: Right. Well, prospects. I mean, they are. But keep in mind that they also have precedent to understand that, like, blockbuster films about the United States government are also moneymakers.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Essentially, Hollywood does know how to have its cake and eat it, too. Like, Always. they can make these Always. kind of films and not burn, essentially, any bridges. Because, as right. previously stated, nothing will right. come of it. All of the bridges are, are fireproof. Right, exactly. They can make a life. movie Except- about...
1: no. That isn't true though because look at look at the Marvel movies uh and think about how the US uh military apparatus responded to the Marvel movies to take over the Marvel well, okay. movies. okay so but like pert- here's two things <laughs> very I real I, way, I was thinking right?
0: about that very concept and and here's what I want to say about that. There's a couple things that are worth keep bearing in mind. I do think there has been a sea change in the way that the American government addresses that stuff and it's by becoming more aggressive. I do actually think that that's right. true. Like, Especially the American military complex identifies that like, they're to a certain extent the, the sort of house of cards that they've built around a recruitment and things like that is even more precarious than it's ever been. That, that like oh basically our only method of recruitment is to exploit Wealth inequality has gotten right. even more precarious because, um, like, basically, the, the 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 percentage of people who are who just volunteer out of pure patriotic duty continues to to shrink, um, and the Marvel movies serve as a as a, a propaganda machine. And keep in mind, American government, the American military complex has always done that. War films right. are the American military complex's method of one of their major methods of propaganda I can't speak English yeah propagandization and the Marvel movie takeover is that is always that
1: the way it function now though is that in order in order to have the access that studios believe they need in order to show war realistically they have to show it unrealistically in that they have to show it in a way that the uh, the military will allow them that access, but not be offended right. by what they do with right. that access. And, and
0: okay, but it, again, I, let's let's yeah. uh, to talk about. There's two things I want to bring up with <laughs> This is a total non sequitur of the entire point. Um, yeah, is number one that it, that has always been true with regards to military focused movies, movies that are about awesome the movie. military. Like if you make a movie about the military and you want military people or things in it you have to play ball with them pretty hardcore and you kind of always have had to that that has always been kind of true unless you're willing to go to some other country and use their surplus military equipment that's always been true um but those are movies about the military those movies have always existed alongside political think piece movies that from the same studio that criticizes the military (laughs) they've always coexisted because uh, even sitting above the military-industrial complex is the fact that they are both. That is a fundamentally capitalist complex that that exists right. that allows the appearance of criticism creates an environment that makes money. Like also, right? Weirdly enough, and and keep in mind the only other pushback I had about that is the funny thing about I find a very amusing about this modern thing is we live in an age where actually, given the the nature of how. CGI is used and stuff like that. We probably exist in an age where you don't actually need the the, the military at all to, to show the military and right. whatever light you want, actually, because you could just CG the shit out of anything. You could oh, oh, I need a tank. I'm I can have a tank. Like even if <laughs> even if somehow like somebody were to try to lock it down, like well I'll just I'll just download a tr- a model of a tank f- off of some weird other website in another country or something. But like right, my my like you can't that that's but they but movie studios do absolutely recognize that that's a thing they need but those movies have always existed in tandem with like commentary pieces that like aim to like really strike a blow at the the heart of the complex because again you can attack that complex all you want and it doesn't uh it doesn't really have any effect but the military movies have to be like that because that that's more of an active effort by the military to make sure that their propaganda machine continues to function as 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 designed, right? Like you, right. Uh, if the Marvel movie suddenly went off book and started making like anti-war films. That would that would well, they would take that very seriously.
1: I mean that's that's the the interesting place it came and the way the way I described it as the way the military has responded to the Marvel films by absorbing the Marvel films is that the first Iron Man movie comes very it's the closest any of them come right absolutely and comes very close right but drops (laughs) drops off to the point to the point where uh, you know Tony Tony who gives up his uh, his military contracts and decides that he will not make weapons of war anymore uh, gives Spider-Man a satellite that can kill everyone on earth yeah. uh, I, you anyone know, I'm a, on earth I'm a, <laughs>
0: I'm a i'm a here's what i am a big fan of as and i say fan in very humongous air quotes is the fact that as far as i can tell for the last x number of years and it's been it's been decades now they the gray goo of movies about killing yeah. people is eventually satellites that kill people Right, like right. if if it, if you iterate kill sets, yeah, if you iterate war movie, x number of cycles, you eventually get to <laughs> to murder satellites. It's like, okay, yeah. guys, I I get it, but like you know, boy, somebody's got to write something new here, okay, like. <laughs> Like, like you can't I mean, always iterate to, to murder satellites. Something somebody's got to cook up something else.
1: Especially when the the greatest anti murder satellite movie has already been made. Uh, I assume we're talking about Real
0: Genius, but I don't know. Oh, we're definitely talking about Real Genius. I, I was like, uh, I mean, I don't know. You could be pulling some other like movie no, I've never no, heard of. Out of it's like, yeah. well, actually, my favorite but, movie is called Murder Satellites Three: Revenge of the Murderer yeah. <laughs> uh."
1: But you're you're right to say that that even within the the military complex, uh, or the the blanket of military films, um, those anti-American imperialism uh, films do exist yeah. and did exist and existed in ways that that were financially profitable to the uh, to the studios that put them out. Uh, the film version of Catch Twenty Two and the Mash film came right. out the same year from the same production company, right? Yeah, uh, or well, from the same exactly. studio. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it's like,
0: it's it is just, and and I I don't want to go down this path too much longer. It's just it's yeah. worth keeping in mind that like I'm not I don't want to take away from what they've made here. They made something really yeah. powerful here. It's just like to right. say that like well I had to like. Kind of that particular person in that particular interview makes it sound like, well, I really pulled a fast one on them to get them them to make this blockbuster that was surely going to make millions of dollars.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I wonder, what did it actually? $16 million in the box office. Made $16 million, which is a little
0: little under. Well, but it's also 1982 Um, money. Which we all know was yeah. was is, is all fake, <laughs> all fake. Um, the movie was filmed in
1: Mexico City because they, obviously, were not going to film this in <laughs> Chile. Chile. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, surprising, really. Uh, yeah, um, the uh, Mexico City interesting at the time was a place where a lot of Chilean refugees had ended up. So a lot of political refugees from from Chile had uh, had visited the set, uh, had acted as extras, particularly in the uh, in the scene inside the stadium.
0: Uh, they acted as extras, um, which is, who man. heavy Yeah, that is uh, that is that is, a, that is. Yeah, it's hard to even imagine that. Right. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. The. uh Universal was very open with the State Department having pre-screenings with the, in Washington, D.C. Uh, and then two days before the film was to come out, the State Department came <laughs> came out at a press conference attacking the film. Uh, there was a libel suit from, the, uh, from three of the people uh, who are fictionalized in the film the ambassador right the the u.s ambassador uh ray tower real name ray davis uh the captain who is the one who gives them the ride back to right. santiago and uh uh the consul um who is phil Putman in the movie uh and i actually can't remember uh his real name yeah me uh, right. offhand um all three of them sued for libel. That case was dismissed without prejudice, uh, meaning it was dismissed not as being without merit. It was dismissed as the court saying there is merit, but there is not the evidence to prove that merit, uh, but there will probably be the evidence to prove that merit once all of this shit is declassified. Right. Um,
0: well, I mean, and, and that's and, a that's a whole other weird judicial sort of strikes me as some sort of weird right. judicial bluff yeah i mean we can rule on this if you actually declassify anything right right
1: uh an interesting aspect of that is uh one of the bonus features that unfortunately you didn't get to see uh is from a more recent author uh who describes himself as a uh a professional freedom of information act user okay <laughs> uh he uh peter cornblow is his name um he wrote the pinochet file um and uh an interesting thing is that as part of that initial suit one of the pieces one of the the u.s government documents that released to uh to ed Horman was fully redacted except for the to and from lines and then uh, a few years later, uh, they gave him the first paragraph <laughs> that said, uh, but the rest was just fully redacted. And the paragraph, the paragraph they gave him said that uh, there are people who believe that we were involved. Uh, and then uh, a, another decade later, another paragraph. <laughs> came got declassified that said uh that said there is merit to the people who believe that we might have been involved <laughs> uh and then working with the Hormans, uh Kormla, um pressured the clinton administration to uh to release the rest of the document and and other documents and and many documents were declassified um and essentially the memo. <laughs> right. The framing on the original release. Obviously there was no framing on the original release. The whole thing was blacked out. Uh, but but even that first paragraph of actually release is is still framing it as very iffy. Whereas the rest of the document essentially says, Yeah, they're all right. Uh, yeah, right. The, we, the merit is we because they're uh, um, yeah. right. <laughs> um so so that's an interesting bit. There's just so much so much and varied interesting background material with the supplements here there's actually a full disc of
0: supplements well, and i watched all the ones that you set. you sent to us yeah. i mean some of them are better than others some of them are yeah. are very inside baseball just talking about how the movie got made which is like right it's cool in the sense that like you know you do realize that like a lot went into making this all work and everything and you know uh like uh Gavras had like really specific requirements for the way that the movie would be made. And and a lot of his sort of were like kind of somewhere between technical and um, artistic choices, like kind of in the middle ground between those right. two things. And some of those artistic choices were really important and make the movie as good as it is. Um, right. The choices to really ho- like hone in on and focus on exclusively what are our two main characters like and uh, their search right. and not, not focus on and not really, Making all the bad things that are happening, like the context of the movie, rather than the focus of the movie, because it keeps the movie from from getting bogged down in those things. Because that's that's a whole other movie, right? Like, there's if you if they and like instead, it just sort of constantly heightens the sort of anxiety associated to everything that's going right. on. Um, it makes it, it just keeps ramping up the intensity of things. Right. Until it gets very brutal in the sense that you see aftermath, right? Like you don't ever see much, you see some action, but you see a lot of aftermath, right? Like you see, right. Essentially the, the, the sort of human detritus caused by this, uh, the morgue, the morgue scene is, is where exactly emotionally
1: yeah. overcome. The two of them look up to the ceiling to try to avoid looking at the and bodies just and more. the ceiling is translucent and there's more bodies. Uh, yeah, it's I mean it's
0: it's over and it's meant to, and it overwhelms the audience too, right? Like as a, as right, an audience member right. you're just like holy shit like oh my right. god. Like it's just so and then you imagine that these people are walking there through this and they and they they, they, they want to look away and they do try and they can't but they also can't look away because they have a specific purpose for being there. And we empathize with their purpose, which is they they want to find. Right. They want to but they also don't want to find their husband slash right. son, right? Like, they 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 want to because it's important to them to have that to have closure. him back right. and that closure. But also, like, you don't want to find the body of your dead son or dead husband in there. Like, you don't right. want to. Right. Uh, and so, like, you you have to look away, but you can't look away. You have to engage with this moment, even though you don't want to engage with this. It's 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 very and, overwhelming, right? And and Ed's. Ed's
1: particular emotional journey through this is, I mean, one phenomenally acted, Mm -hmm. but you know, just because he shows up as a a fairly conservative, religious, uh, you know, what the, what the, in the sort of final confrontation with the ambassador, what the ambassador says to him is true. That if you did not have a personal involvement here, you'd be sitting at home complacent, And not caring and not knowing anything about this. Um, And Ed shows up as, you know, he's not concerned about what's actually going on in Chile. He's concerned about finding his son one way or another. And he is concerned or is convinced that the U.S. government should be helping a U.S. citizen to find a U.S. citizen and as the US government uh doesn't do that and then ultimately when he's at the Ford Foundation which is its own you know yeah oh the boy. ford foundation the ford is, foundation is yeah. its
0: own whole thing <laughs> right. my god uh
1: but but the ford foundation is the first the first american imperialist arm to be forthright with him right uh and uh And tells him that they believe Charlie had died two two days after he disappeared. Charlie had been dead since before Ed had even come to the country. Right. Charlie had been dead for weeks before Ed had come to the country, and that the U.S. government knew it the entire time. And just not just the— Like, Ed doesn't even talk, but not just the emotion of realizing his only son is dead. But the emotion of, real, like, his entire worldview crashes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that that's... In his, just,
1: just in his face. Yeah, it's overwhelming. And in his actions. Absolutely. And he gets back to the lobby, and he walks down the stairs, and the lobby is like this Escherin, uh, you know, staircase, where he, he accidentally starts walking from, up, up another the stairs, stairs on the other yeah. side again. And, and at that point, he catches himself, and he gets out of that Escher. He yeah. gets out of the loop, right? Um, and it's, and we see a marked change, right, in him. And he goes, you know, his next, his next, and immediately he is much more distrustful of the local authorities. He gets back to the hotel, and the inspector is, uh, trying to bring in, right. um, yeah. Beth for a missing persons report. And he's immediately, uh, much more aggressive with the American authorities right. when he interacts with them. Um, and Pete, the console, I have met I know people who aspire to be
0: Yeah, and I've met a few the I've met quite a few All right.
1: over the years, yeah. Uh one of them one of them I can think of, his name is Colton. I won't say his last name. Uh but his name is Colton and he looks if you have a mental image <laughs> yeah, of what yeah, absolutely a person named Colton looks like. That's what this, he is the platonic ideal of a person named colton uh and I could you know i i immediately thought of him the first yeah, time no, totally we, I mean, we yeah. saw we saw the console um interestingly, the actor who plays the console was very very active anti vietnam uh and a very a very interesting thing that comes up uh in the supplements is that he would attend screenings right. of Missing in in the suit he wears in the movie and stand outside the screenings, uh, handing out leaflets uh, condemning the U.S. involvement in Chile in the Pinochet regime. Right. Um, and he he continues. He uh, a few years ago when Zero Dark Thirty was nominated so many awards, he made a public announcement that he would not, as a voting member of the Academy, he would not be voting. For a movie that (laughs) glorifies torture, yeah, Um, he has continued to be active. Uh, But yeah, it's just like SpaceX phenomenal, Mm -hmm. but but Lemon is just this is like and and the fact that (laughs) that they were worried that. Jack Lemmon wouldn't be able to handle it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's to... really it, that like is it was like he's primarily known as as a comedic actor, but but he'd been in dramas and he'd been well. Good I mean, in and they pointed out that prior. like
0: the last one he had made right before this had been a huge flop, and like uh, that's fair. I, yeah, I mean, it wasn't great. Like it's you know it's just a matter probably of like when you if you start thinking about a. A nine million dollar, like this is kind of they're kind of ramping up for a blockbuster, right? Like that's in their mind, right. like not a blockbuster, but like that they're ramping up for another, all the presidents men, that kind of thing, right? Like that everybody's, right. even if it, even if it's not something that everybody will see, everybody will start talking about it, right? Right. And so right, right. in their mind, there the studio probably goes to certain actors that have that gravitas, right? And the problem is, is that. Jack Lemmon, and this is a phenomenal actor. He doesn't have he doesn't he doesn't have reek of gravitas. But that's the thing. Right, this character shouldn't have gravitas. That's not the no. kind of person he is. But when a movie studio hears lead actor in this kind of movie, they think right. he needs to have oomph to him, yeah. and 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 very clearly. Costa understands what this movie is better right like just at a fundamental level because he even describes why he needs jack lemon in that one in the interview with him he describes that idea of like oh i need somebody who you would never believe would go punch that guy would never punch ray (laughs) tower at the end this guy needs to walk out just overwhelmed not he cannot turn around and like throw a punch and all those actors that they just named that we talked about kind of right would all be actors who would be expected to turn around and throw that punch to the point right. where it would almost be hard for the audience to believe that they didn't right and 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 Jack Lemmon can is is it's just so good at just being like just absolutely just beating the shit in this movie and then especially and it's really I what I think one of the things I find most interesting about this movie, honestly, is Jack Lemmon's last fucking line in the movie. Which yeah. is the like we can still put people like you in jail. And it's really fascinating because he's getting his sp- he's getting his spine in him right about like this injustice must be rectified but he still doesn't fully understand. He right. he gets it. He get he's gotten there. He's gotten to the point where he's like, "What we are doing is wrong," but he doesn't understand that the entire system functions on us doing that, and that right. it will not let you ca- hold it accountable. It can't. It, any attempt to hold it accountable would cause its incredible meteoric collapse. Right. The the, the right. whole thing would right. just immediately fall apart. If any accountability, that's that's why that's why
1: Charlie dies. Right. That's why Charlie is killed, because the American imperialist machine at this point and certainly still today has so much momentum that it cannot even keep a U.S. citizen in a foreign country from being eaten up by it. But well,
0: and, and it has no interest in it because because an individual has citizen, no in citizen has no value, right? And 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 any right. if any and is in is what it, it has no does not exceed the the meaning of anybody else if it stands in the way of the mach, the machine like the machine yeah. what has to eat everything that's in its path. What Tower and the
1: Ambassador say to Ed in their in their meeting in at the embassy that last meeting at the embassy is right i mean they're 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 pulling back the veil Mm -hmm. as much as their characters here will allow them to but they're they're right ed wouldn't have cared the vast majority of americans wouldn't care and this is happening in ed's name it is it is it is in ed's interest as an american who or at least they believe it's in ed's interest you know, whether or not Ed would say it's in his interest, but, but Ed, not having a personal involvement here, would not, con- would never consider whether or not it was in his interest. Right. It would just be a background assumption that it was, that right. what, what the U.S. is doing in any given country is good. And this, you know, this idea that, that Ed comes to with what did Charlie do? Why was Charlie arrested? He did something to get arrested. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And that's, and that's, you know, the same. The same thing I've been dealing with, with the last year with with talking to family members about why I was pepper sprayed by police Right, last yeah, summer.
0: what did you do to deserve it? <laughs> it's like,
1: yeah. Well, I didn't, and you know I didn't, so then they say, well, why were you, you with people who were
0: being pepper sprayed? It's like, what does that even mean? Right, uh, yeah. Well, and you know, the funny thing is, is like, we, we're talking about this, and, and Ed comes to this realization, and, but, you know, he doesn't quite get it, and, and uh, but like you're talking about the idea that like he, he expects that the government would help find this missing American citizen, and and the problem is is that like Ed Ed is as start and we all understand this is coming from a position where Ed doesn't even realize that the 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 imperialist machine faces both inward and outward at all times. Right. It, it also right. there's a reason why you got pepper sprayed is because the imperialist machine faces inward also. It like. Yeah, it, like it, oh, it can't only face in one direction. It doesn't. I understand why I got Peppers that right. Well, I know, but like Ed does it, right. and Ed and Ed right. takes the movie to understand that. Like, right. and
1: you know, one of my favorite Ed moments, actually. You know, we've so many good Ed moments, certainly, but one of my favorite Ed moments is is in that embassy, a very small moment where he looks out the window, and he comes to the realization of why the Italian embassy is full of nine hundred refugees. And right. The American embassy has no one in the courtyard. Right. And you know he says, and that's that's why this is empty. Right. He never verbalizes his thought process there. What I love, what I love about this movie is how much of Ed re, remains internal. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, sold well. You know what he's thinking, but it remains internal. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the lady who played Terry actually gives a really good story on Costa Garvis, telling her, you know, you need to be yelling in the scene where she's she's taken. She's like, you need to be yelling, help, help, see me, see me. All but right, of course yeah. you have no lines. So <laughs> it's like, stay quiet. Say it well only with your eyes. Um, but obviously, it's, you know, he's he's pulling that sort of thing out of out of everybody. So so in that regard, it's, uh, you know, phenomenally directed film. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah, just the way lemon is is the star here. Now I will, you know, there's there's an aspect of this that you know this isn't a movie about Chile, right? Right. This is not a movie about Chile, um, not just because the movie doesn't want to explicitly say that it's in Chile, but it is a movie about a white American journalist and his wife who got very excited about Ayenda being the first uh popularly elected uh socialist in the world, uh, at least in the Western hemisphere. Right? right. Um and they they moved down to be part of that civilization, right? Part of that country. Um and you know there is obviously the US government has a a, a vested interest in getting uh, I end out of power. Uh, but also, there are plenty of forces within Chile who want end out of power. So I don't want to, I don't want to remove Chile as a country's uh,
0: right. But like, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, but also, Pinochet
1: like, would not have come to power without U.S. intervention. That's, what, that's where that's certainly. where
0: we're. That's I mean, but you know, and the problem is, is it that, would
1: have been a push instead of a coup, right? Uh, it, it, had. It, it,
0: it, we unfortunately can yeah. only ever exist in hypotheticals about what would happen right. without mil- American military intervention because American military <laughs> right? intervention always exists in practically always everything. Uh, <sighs> so it's, yeah. it's hard to imagine a world where that doesn't happen. Uh, sometimes it fails, which is always fascinating. Uh, <laughs> right. Always an interesting turn of events when they fuck it up. Yeah. and It doesn't work. But, uh, um, but I, I say that to get to this is a movie that does
1: center a white experience, a white American experience, in order to play to a white American audience to criticize the American government. But it plays that against a lot of dead brown people, right? Yeah. Um, And a couple of dead white people. Uh, So I do also appreciate the one point in the movie where it pushes back against itself for being a white narrative. The scene where Ed is addressing the uh, the national stadium, and the guy comes down that he thinks is Charlie at right, first because they've got similar yeah. hair, <clears throat> and the guy says, "My dad can't come look for me, right? But uh, but hey, my captors, if you want to give me ice cream with dinner, I'll take it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, you
1: know, he's making he's making a fatalist joke about the whole thing right. too, but but it is it is the movie recognizing in a moment that that this is this is a story that removes itself from the particulars of the vast majority of the experience now that is not to say that the chilean people uh did not respond to this story as their story right and we and we have anecdotal evidence of the movie getting pirated in chile well and then once and the then once regime.
0: the pinochet regime fell like getting shown apparently i've been told i read somewhere <laughs> a lot apparently. Yeah, yeah. Apparently the film played very well. It was one of those interviews or something because, where it's like, Oh yeah, I played because, a lot.
1: Yeah. from me, from a Chilean perspective, certainly it is still a, a universal story of a story. Many Chilean parents had during <laughs> under Pinochet, uh, not just during the coup uh, of uh, the desperate search for a child who is already dead. Right unknowingly right um so yeah you know it's <laughs> well uh, i mean it is universal to that extent but i think we do still have uh, no to it's at definitely least acknowledge. It, absolutely <laughs> yeah
0: and and we were i was going to bring that up as a part of discussing this movie it, it, like you get in this it's this really sort of weird i don't want to call it gymnastics but like sort of mental gymnastics to like try to figure out where to come down on this so because like you can, it's, it gets really complicated because you sort of start trying to like, do I navigate this from a utilitarian perspective? Where do I come at this from? Because it's like, right. would this movie have been made if it were exclusively about Chilean families? No.
1: Almost like, certainly not.
0: W- like, the reality of it is this weird thing where you get into like, the only vector to reach widespread American audiences is through white people, basically. Right. Right. And like- Right. And-
1: and they're not inventing Charlie's story, right? right. And, and
0: and I think that's what helps so, a little bit. Is it's a real right. story about a real person, which allows you to a certain extent to remove some of those that that the, the <laughs> that feeling a little bit because you're like, well, at least this is a real person. Nobody just cooked this up and decided to is... make the Chilean, uh, you know, this 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 uh, military junta takeover into yep. an Ameri- into a white American story. They didn't have to do that right. this time,
1: right? One, one, it's a true story, so they're not inventing any narrative. And two, there is no white savior in this movie, right? Certainly. No, exactly, <laughs> right. and that's a, impo- a uh, really
0: important thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, but yeah. it is still, it is um, definitely worth noting that like the only way you get to find out about the atrocities in Chile is via the white guy who disappeared. Like right. you know what right. I mean? Like it is that is always an important thing to keep in mind
1: and like even not like frank apparently could have just died and no one would have cared like yeah, like there's that aspect yeah. of it it, too,
0: so it right? has to be not only a it not only has to be it has a, to, a white it american has, it has, has to, to be a be white guy with a with a family with that, a yeah right
1: with a with a uh, uh, a social net that uh, that would care and believes in the american system enough to make a fuss right uh right um so there's that aspect too i find it endlessly fascinating just in the in the the history uh around this story that uh that tower ray davis in real life uh one of the people who sued for libel uh uh the libel suit also dismissed by the way right uh though it did uh it did keep the, the movie from being uh released on home video for a very long time. Uh but uh but Davis, who who sued for libel, uh, because because the portrayal of him in this movie was not uh not accurate and made him look bad, uh, was charged by the Chilean government a few years ago for the deaths of Frank and Charlie. Um in uh in the early 2000s i believe if i remember correctly uh they believed him when they charged him and they convicted they convicted two other chilean uh officials in their deaths um and then reconvened later to uh, actually extend the sentences those men faced for for charlie and frank's deaths um but uh chilean government believed ray to be living in florida uh, we're going to extradite him, but according to the U S government, never actually officially asked for extradition in any case, turns out he was actually living in Chile in a retirement home, uh, a nursing care facility in an upscale neighborhood where he died shortly after he was, uh, he was charged. They never found him until after he had died um but he was he was still living in Chile uh and apparently
0: I, not imagine the <laughs> living that, fairly well ima- still like, in Chile I I I, under, I I understand completely that that's just the way it ends up working but like yeah. imagine I, I you know like you come to this point in your life where you realize that there are whole swaths of humanity with experiences that are wholly impossible for you to imagine <laughs> imagine overthrowing a government and then just sort of hanging out right for the rest of your life just be like yeah I overthrew this government and I'm doing pretty even good. after even after the guy you put in charge just being uh, so certain that you are beyond being was touched, arrested right like to right. just like right I exist beyond you and your puny human laws right. or whatever it's just it's right. just fucking right. wild
1: yeah um God. Uh, another scene in this that I really loved and just thought about uh, when, uh, when they've gone to interview um, Beth and Charlie's neighbors and there's conflicting information, but we're seeing it in flashbacks in yeah. this sort of Rashomon yeah. thing that yeah. keeps fading. <laughs> very between... vaguely Rashomon
0: for just a few minutes. It's yeah. very wild.
1: Yeah. Uh, where, where you know, the, the rest of the soldiers and vehicles fade out the, the, the Jeep turns into a truck and back. And And then turns into two trucks
0: uh, or two Jeeps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's very, that's just, I I love how that was edited. Yeah. It is really Uh, good. It's very good. Uh, Here's a, here's another uh, real life difference. Uh, According to some information I've run across, uh, the body with Charlie's fingerprints that is returned at the end of the film uh later dna test showed it wasn't charlie
0: oh wow uh
1: i don't i cannot find any confirmation of that uh and right. and where i read it was unsighted uh but uh but if true i also cannot find any confirmation of of whether or not charlie's body was ever actually found uh
0: well, I mean so, already yeah. like the movie acknowledges <laughs> that they sent it back seven months later. Which which the movie right. the movie states is a is a ploy to make sure that like essentially we it's useless for any sort of medical purposes. Keep in mind nineteen right. seventy whatever we're not they're not going to be able to do D like DNA testing isn't a thing that they're thinking about with regards right. to like returning bodies. So I mean I could believe that they would just swap it out. Like, well, we let it decompose enough that like any old body can be mailed right. back. Right. At this point. Right. Right. Um, uh, like yeah, it's, which, which then makes you get into this whole nother thing is like, well, what's even the purpose of that? Like what's your, what's your end game there? And like, I don't know what the end game is. I don't know what, what, what does, who stands to benefit from what for mailing a, th- like a fake body back seven months later? Like, the, I think there is. Like, clearly they don't have Charlie's body. Did they desecrate it to just such an extreme? That was it was it burned? Like, why not send the seventh month later a real body unless you just have no accounting of the people you killed, which I suppose is definitely the possibility, right? right? Like, you just. I just have room. <laughs> yeah. I have just these murder rooms, and I have they say no they found, idea who these fucking people are. They say they are.
1: found that body in a concrete wall, right? Right. So, like, you know, it's. Yeah. Uh. I appreciate Kasagavis's, uh point in, in not naming this as Chile um, and sort of his, his disconnect. You know, each of his stories takes place. You know, Z is in Greece and, and um, the siege um, that's in Uruguay. Um, but he, he presents all of these things as, as universal, as as you know, it it happened here this time, but it can happen where you are, just as easily. Um, seems to be his reasoning. But then that that con interview with him kind of threw me uh, because he does he does basically say at that point that uh, and I think he's he's playing to his audience there. I'll, I'll get into why I think that, but, but he says the American government is is good because no no one side has enough pull, uh, which
0: was certainly not true. In yeah, he clearly he doesn't uh, he either <laughs> doesn't understand or he's being yeah. not truthful about the situation. But, but
1: but he he goes on from that to sort of uh, shoot a dagger at the French government, a well deserved dagger at the French government uh in talking to the con reporter uh by mentioning that uh uh the battle of algiers was never suppressed in the us okay uh, where, whereas it was still actively suppressed i believe at that point in uh in france um but he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't jump from that to make a an argument about countries uh, suppressing the like he's he's trying to answer this question about whether or not he expects or at least he's answering it away as if the question asked was whether or not he expects his movie to be suppressed in the U.S. and he's essentially saying the U.S. is too open for it to be suppressed but but his you know the battle of Algiers is suppressed in France because it's about French right, involvement yeah. right so so that's not an actual France, France isn't suppressing missing
0: Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a little bit of a disingenuous answer. I think it's probably mainly yeah. just like I don't really want to answer this question. Answer right, <laughs> right. Um right. A, an interesting thing that I thought w- I found throughout like especially interviews with him is he but in general about the movie is people kept emphasizing that this movie wasn't about politics, which like is is the felt like the most I don't even want to have to finish the conversation we're about to have, where where we talk about the fact that like, well, every movie is political anyway, and this movie let's, is very clear. Let's take political. the shortcut.
1: Let's take the shortcut and just say that every movie is political. Uh, every interaction you have is political.
0: Right. <laughs> I'm just fascinated uh, by the, him saying
1: that. The, yeah, the story of a man searching for his son killed. Period. No other details, right? Not necessarily even this story. That is a political story, right? So, and
0: then, um, and then, obviously, if you then if you amplify it by couching it entirely in the context of a it being a true story, which inherently makes it even even amplifies the political nature of like in the fact that you are dealing with reality now directly without any sort of hyperbole, and then you and then you add in like this extra level of like. Well, it, it is in the context of uncommon, a, a military coup. It, it's just, it's a lot. And then like it, multiple times I in had, every interview, it's like goes out of its way to be like, well, it's not, it's not a political movie.
1: I had a conversation a few months ago uh, in which I was being very anti-American government. And the person I was talking to was doubling down on, on pro-military uh, because the person is a, a member of the military. Uh, and uh, and I talked about you know he's, he's I said, well what about the war in Iraq and 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 fighting terrorism I said well that terrorism only existed because we got them started in Afghanistan twenty years prior it's like we we funded funded and trained Osama bin Laden he's like well that was the CIA that wasn't the military it's like wait what it's like,
0: <laughs> a distinction without a difference <laughs>
1: right right right. Like, and and that's you know and that's that's an aspect of this too right It's it's this belief that the CIA is a political thing and the military is a military thing and that the political the politics and the military aren't the same thing. But like part of the point of of what missing is saying about the American government, even if it's saying it in the background is that there is no difference right. between what the military is doing and what, what America is doing militaristically and it's all the same imperialist machine so like i don't know man it's just i i have become less and less inclined to even accept those arguments as being in good faith
0: well they're they're never even in as good. i
1: right. well i mean they are they are ma- they are often made by people who just haven't thought about it. Well, and right? and
0: and the reason I say they're never in good and faith is I can't say
1: that that's I can't describe that as bad faith because no, it's
0: well. Here, here's what I'll say about that, and right. the reason why I can still apply bad faith to them is not <laughs> you're not assigning bad faith to that person, you're assigning bad faith to that argument because that argument is an argument that they're repeating from somebody who definitely mm-hmm. at some point, somewhere down the line, that argument came faith. from yes. somebody doing it in bad faith,
1: like that's whether fair. or not that's it's
0: fair. the sort of like the news machine that makes this information like puts that argument out there somewhere down the line, the person who originated that argument was doing it in bad faith. And just yeah. because this person's not doing it, that doesn't make the argument less bad faithy yeah. to, for, to coin a phrase. Um, yeah. But what I'm fascinated. Oh, oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to speaking of speaking of who, uh, <laughs> who may have first created those arguments in bad faith. Uh, the, uh, the lawsuit that the Hormans filed against the U S government uh Explicitly names Kissinger and explicitly names Kissinger first. Right. Yeah. No. So I, the, which I find really fascinating. The suit really is Horman v. Yeah. Kissinger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, I. Anyway,
0: I. I. I had a thought. I. I had a going to bed thought. <laughs> I think last night or two nights ago about like. <laughs> I, it involved Kissinger and in the fact that like. What, like, just like, just thinking about the um, like. What society? I don't know. It's it's I don't want to. I don't want to get into it. What society like, would look like without Kissinger? Yeah, kind of, uh, but also like, that's too late for that. So it just becomes a matter of like, when, when this, ghoul pass just is gone. Like, what society will have to do to heal the wounds of like, I assume it just involves a lot of defecating. Just, just, <laughs> just a grave just covered in shit at all times, for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you familiar with the Kissinger
1: death taunting? No,
0: taunting, I, I, I'm not. The only Kissinger thing I'm aware of is, is the, is the one, the, the, the t-shirt, the, the, I hate Mondays and I also orchestrated illegal bombing in Cambodia. The, the Kissinger death taunting is a, uh, Oh no, you did describe this to me once. I remember yeah, now.
1: Yeah. is a, a betting pool on, on when Kissinger uh, might die. Uh, <laughs> That, uh, that is raising money for uh, the Cambodian Children's Fund, the Desafío Lavantanos in Chile, uh, East Timor and Indonesian Action Networks, Guatemala Forensic Anthropology Project, the Halo Trust, and the Yemen Relief Project. Uh, it, is, uh, it is meant to raise money, particularly for the U.S. imperialist uh, projects that Kissinger had hands directly in. Um, but you have to. You get. You put down five dollars to. Uh,
0: I I love the just element a of date. it because you slight, you don't give. Yeah. It doesn't go through them. You <laughs> just like just pick one of these. Give them money. Show us your receipt. Yeah. Good enough. Right. Right. We don't want to yeah. be a conduit for money at all. Just like. Right. Which I think is. Right. I really. I do actually think this is. This may be weirdly enough one of the only mo. The true first and maybe only truly admirable. Hey, I can't wait till this guy dies. Uh, yeah. Efforts in history, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. (laughs) The,
1: the bottom, it is, uh, Henry Kissinger dot rip is the website for this, by the way. And, uh, the disclaimer at the bottom (laughs) of the website, disclaimer, the Kissinger death Tontine in no way endorses the incredible (laughs) cool crime of pushing an elderly war criminal down the stairs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will joke about Kissinger's death. I would not actively kill Kissinger myself, no. but I will joke about Kissinger's death. And uh, I apologize if that makes anyone uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, this is a man who somehow inexplicably still retains power and has never faced any sort of any I, sort of
0: Kissinger <laughs> is the, is the is the for... primal root. Fruit- fundamental example of the thing we talked about at the beginning of this episode, which is nothing has any like none of this has any of it. This man orchestrated all of these things and has faced nothing. He still gets invited to every White House. Right. As a guest right. of honor to like like give a new president his thoughts on on foreign relations and it's like, what the fuck is even happening here? And the answer is the, the war, the you know the imperial machine. It 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 machines on, man. It it grinds away. Um, it does what it's gonna do. Uh, yeah, no, I just yes, this is yes, this thing we have talked about this before, and I'd forgotten about it basically. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I I just the thing about it though is that like just to kind of loop back to where we kind of got onto this topic is like I'm trying to, in my heart, come to terms with why Costagarus is, is saying. That this is a not a political movie when it's when even he is he just trying to like, like, what's his goal think, in saying that? Is it because he feels I like think, it could happen anywhere? It's not fundamentally an American politics movie as much as a the entire world kind of imperial regime movie or.
1: I think he very much views his story as the story of a father dealing. And 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 wife dealing with the disappearance of of the man, um. I think he maybe at some aspect uh, believes that if this movie is described as a political film, that will turn off a a right. set of audience.
0: And that's what I. Um, it's got to be connected. And it very that much way.
1: you know, if in the broad buckets of political movie and uh. Family drama. This certainly
0: fits in family drama more than it fits in political movie. Well, right. Um, but, like, assuming your categorization system doesn't allow multiple categories to be simultaneously <laughs> right, occupied. Right,
1: right, right, right. Um, so maybe there's an aspect of that is what I'm saying. I, I suppose that so. there...
0: It's just it was a sort of a weird But I thing. really don't know. When he kept describing it, I was like, is he doing this because he doesn't want to, like, get this pigeonholed as a quote-unquote political movie? I don't. Yeah. Because, like... You don't make it's a movie a who... where a bunch of soldiers in a Jeep chase a white horse down the road shooting guns at it or something right. like that. And be like, well, my, my totally non-political, totally normal, fine, everything's great movie that I made. Like, like even. Hi, I put this enormous <sighs> allegory in this movie. Right. It has nothing to right. do with it right. anything. Please ignore
1: it. Like, 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 he actively chose. Yeah, no, he actively put, chooses put, shit like that in this movie. To put at least one very explicit allegory. Yeah. Metaphor, well, I mean, in the and, middle of his and, movie, and
0: let's keep in mind, like more than often, though, like that one's the most, like, just in your face. Like, guess what? Right here it is, guys. But like, I mean, at one point, we just watch a body float down a river, right? And it's and it's right. weirdly enough, one of the most serene moments in the film, as this just yeah. this dead body, and like that. These are all like you choose the way you show the way you choose to show those the 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 people who have died in this in this coup are choices, right? You you know, and, and they're right. almost always for, like, very strong impact. And, like, I understand why he wouldn't want the movie to get pigeonholed, because I guess you could say that, like, claiming it's a political movie essentially gets it put into, oh, well, that's just weird liberal propaganda or something like that. And then everybody just sort of right. shoves it into this weird corner. Um, it, may be,
1: it may be also him trying to, trying to insist on some sort of theoretical protection against, uh, against also the libel possible. case.
0: absolutely. Well, I was thinking about that. We were talking about why he chooses to not put it in Chile and some things like that. And keep in mind that, like, by not calling it Chile and by also changing the names of all the assholes who were involved, you kind of get into this thing. It's like, I'm not sure that any sort of, like, suit would have ground anyway, per se, because it's like... Well, it's just a made up story. Right. All we got to do is yeah, slap that, that's, that like know, all the, all the characters portrayed in this film were fictional and <laughs> like, or whatever thing at the beginning. Right.
1: One of the bonus features also includes a very, uh, it's a, it's a night event in honor of, of, of Charlie or a foundation in Charlie's right, name, yeah. I think. And, uh, and one of the people who talks there is the defense attorney for the libel suit. And, uh, or one of the defense attorneys for the libel suit. And he, he essentially says, uh, that, uh, I mean, there was no way this was going, like, no matter, well, the author in another interview, the author of the book says, there's no way. Well, he's uh, like, well,
0: my research is sound, well, his argument was like, right. look, we could have used all the names. Like, right. it's all right. here. We didn't that, make anything yeah. up.
1: Right. Now, that was the author's argument. Right. The, the uh, attorney's argument is uh, that it was uh, it was precedent-setting. Uh, as the case that established that a uh, an ostensibly true story does not need to be wholly historically accurate <clears throat> down to the detail. Um, and there are other instances. I mean no, they don't just uh, change the names, but the uh, the guy Paris, who they go see at the Italian consulate mm-hmm. um, is uh, that enti- that story, is something that was told to reporters a couple of of investigative reporters by a man l- months after the events presented here right mm-hmm. um so that was not a conversation that Joyce and, and Ed were involved with uh directly um so you know there is there is that that changing of details too right, right? You know, it's not a 100% true story in order. And, you know, that's true of any biopic, right? You know, you conglomerate characters. Well, and the, and and the lawyer you, talks you about like, compressing, narrative.
0: you know, sometimes you have to yeah. compress timelines and stuff because, you, you know, it's right. a movie, right? Right, right, right.
1: And, you know, and he, he sort of, you know, establishes that those are, he says the case establishes in case law that that those are uh, changes that do not mitigate First Amendment rights. Yeah. Um, but the author's stance is there's no violation of the First Amendment. Patently, right. you can't. <laughs> you know, we we covered our bases too well. Right. Well, and especially, uh, and, and he's also sure of
0: that. especially talking about his book, which is more extensive, and right. and and like right. essentially has footnotes. You know what I mean? It's got. He's yeah. got his ducks and,
1: in the row, right? Like, and it's it's actually interesting because the the book. You know, we talk about uh, movies making splashes. The book did not really make a splash. It found an audience, obviously, because the movie got made. But the book did not make a splash, so much so that the libel suit didn't come into effect, except to try and stop the movie.
0: Which and then got dismissed because which of, is actually got dismissed is, because yeah. of uh, it being out of uh, what what call it? It's uh, yeah, yeah. Apparently, statute limitations had already passed or whatever.
1: Yeah. Statute of limitations on libel for a book is is one year after initial publication. So um uh remember that if someone writes a book painting you in a bad light when i write that book about you pat well uh, like, remember be, you have one year true, to read it so. yourself
0: <laughs> uh but like yeah no it that, that the whole progress of that the, well and then the thing is is that they, as as they talk about like they don't ever address anything that the those quote unquote the sort of villains of the movie say in private because that would be yeah. they were pretty careful when they made this movie right. and like I it is quite possible that Costa Gavras is literally like just covering his ass and being like, "Well, we're just going to keep saying this stuff. Like, we're going to stick to our guns because then nobody can sue us."
1: And and of course, you know, Charlie is established and that is real life. Charlie took notes, like you know, he wrote down and apparently got smuggled out in a fucking
0: shoe, which is
1: yeah, yeah, pretty (laughs) wild. Oh man, yeah, Terry smuggling out those notes, (laughs) like. Oh goodness!
0: Like I, it, I mean, it's it, I mean, this movie is is a lot. It is real. I mean, like yeah. I'm, I will say I'm very, very, very glad we watched it. I'm mm-hmm. glad this is in the collection, and it's like I, I, I don't know. Like I, I had never even heard of this movie before. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I had heard of Z, but I, I'd never looked at anything else that Costagavrus had
0: directed. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, and then for a movie that I've never cool. heard of to just hit me like this hard is just, yeah, just goes to show you, right? Like, I mean, like the 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 whole sort of and and the you know thinking about that and it, it, it's like it, to extend that further, it's like, well, why didn't I ever hear of this movie? Like, why was this wholly right. new to me? Uh, is kind of a, a thing that I now I'm trying to process is like, well, this should be a movie that I saw right and i did
1: like and that's another aspect of of the whole conversation with you know all the presidents men too right you know this is this is nixon too yeah this is <laughs> uh yeah and uh, but you know that us intervention, interventionism us intervention in south america is you know uh, a century before this movie takes place and yeah. <laughs> continues well after and, you know, and it's affected every presidency as well. Uh, you know, at least uh, at least Jimmy Carter has made his post-presidential career uh, trying desperately, it seems, to uh, make amends for some of well, the uh, inherent issues of being an American president. I, I
0: think that's the only acceptable end for any American president. You should have to spend every waking moment after that essentially trying to like repenting yeah essentially yeah you Uh, should have to spend every waking moment after that repenting and essentially just trying to prove to the world that you're not the worst person on earth like that's essentially what you should have to do you should I I think I think like I legitimately believe that like that but you know yeah he's a Uh, a case in and of himself there
1: the US would be a better place if more presidents spent their post career repenting uh, instead of just pretending like nothing
0: they did happened or or the uh, the one that that's gotten me that's really just gotten to me these days which is that like weird like that it's not a middle ground but it's sort of like a pretend middle ground where they like go around and do a whole bunch of public works things but they all, all a whole bunch of public things that are just feeding the the imperialist machine of themselves like right. oh, i'm very concerned about haiti now and i want to take yeah. care of haiti. it's like oh just go fuck yourself
1: earlier this month uh we're recording this at the end of March, by the way. So last month, given the uh the terms of this, last month uh Kissinger uh told Biden that uh, he should keep an eye on Iran, but maybe lighten up on China. Uh so it's all changed. just 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 uh
0: oh, man.
1: The circle isn't round, Pat. Uh but it is a circle. Yep. Uh oh boy. Yeah. Anyway. This is a phenomenal movie and I'm so glad to uh to have watched it and to have talked about it with you. Um but it is time to pull this one to a close. We will be switching gears incredibly next week. Oh God, to what are we watch? Watching? Bottle rocket.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: <laughs> Pat size because it is a Wes Anderson film, but uh we're gonna make it, Pat. It'll oh, be yeah, okay.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: This week we have been talking about the 1982 film by Costa Gavras, missing. Not only a phenomenal movie, but the Criterion edition in particular has just a wealth of resources.
0: Yeah, that it's a very, with very it. well done. It's uh,
1: resources that are are even outdated to today. So if you get it, consume all of it, and then and then maybe also do some go more find research. more resources. Yeah. And then go, go read about Pinochet being arrested later. Well, that's that's covered in the movie. That happened before uh some of those bonus materials were were being out. But uh but uh <laughs> Joyce Horman. Joyce Horman uh testifying at Pinochet's trial is just Yeah. Every yeah. No. <sighs> Listen, I wish I wish that Pinochet uh had never reached a point where he needed a war criminal tribunal uh but
0: uh Well now you're just least, being unrealistic
1: you know. Adam. <laughs> Apparently I'm being unrealistic. Uh yeah, listen. If if there's anything we've learned in the past year uh is that it does not take a movie for uh more Americans to realize that uh their government cares more about uh the profit of business interests than about individuals uh hey pat did you know that this month uh the cdc just announced that uh school desks only actually need to be three feet
0: apart yeah i did i did hear i did hear about that 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 uh that very very clearly totally non-political decision uh yeah yeah um that that had nothing to, had nothing to do with a, with a a desperate desire to to make sure that all all Americans are useful members of the of the constant yeah. raging capitalist nightmare machine
1: hey, listen we just want to get back to normal uh you know t- t- forget the whole mean <laughs> yeah, normalize 500,000 deaths um Hey, yeah, we've been talking about missing, and it will sit with me, and it is the same story, uh, yeah, over and over again. Yep,
0: but it's—I mean, it's a very—I mean, it's a very well done version of that. <laughs> yes, of, that, of yes. that. I mean, it's very—I mean, it's very affecting. Yeah, it, we're, so, it does exactly anyway. what it's intended to do very, very well. Keep bending that arc.
1: Keep going. Find hope. But uh don't be naive. Yeah. We'll see you next week for uh Bottle Rocket.
0: God and, uh,
1: thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am as always Lynn Glass, and with me as always John Patrick, O Tari Dorgan. And
0: we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Get some fucking whiplash. <laughs> Let's go watch some a Wes Anderson film.
1: Glass, you can find me on Twitter at TheAdamGlass. My partner is John Patrick Wintari Dorgan, and you can find him at JPatrickDorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com, or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash Criterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.